0: This podcast is sponsored by Low No Drinker magazine, the number one UK magazine for the sober curious drinker, bringing you news, reviews and interviews from the people, places and brands, leading the low and no alcohol revolution. As a Sober Rebel listener, use code SOBERREBEL15 to get 15% off any digital or print subscription from the Low No Drinker magazine for six whole months. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Sober Rebel podcast. I'm Louisa Evans and I invite my guests on to talk about the things they've noticed that have improved for them in sobriety because we all know sobriety isn't easy, but it does make life a lot easier. We talk about the things they've done or the things they've tried since going sober that they'd never have done as a drinker. And today I am so excited again, I'm always excited to talk to my guest Lindsay. I can't wait for you to meet her because I think she's ace. And I've been following her since day 1.
1: It is so nice to talk to you. I know, in real life. Almost in real life.
0: So when I first decided to go sober yeah. this time last year, yeah. I followed you and I think it's because you're from South Wales yeah. and my mum's from South Wales yeah. and I just connected with you. I sober stalked you. And I say this a lot to people, but I did. I watched everything you did. You did those videos where you were putting your makeup on and doing your hair. Yeah. And I was, I was yeah. glued. Anytime I saw a Lindsay video, it was like, oh,
1: got to watch That's, it. That is wild to me. Like wild that anybody valued it. Oh, it, it
0: was honestly the difference for me on a hard day. Mm. You made the difference, and oh. I know I'm not I'm not blowing sunshine up your skirt now. I promise you, um, but you did, and there are a couple of accounts. And as much as everybody is amazing and everybody is yeah. is influential and what have you, but you know you just connect to some people. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Hearing you talk about the ups and downs and the yeah. mundane and the you know yeah. the only thing I don't do is run. Yeah, <laughs> you put me to shame, but I love watching you running. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I was never that good at it before, believe it or not. That's one of my um, one of my big things. I love it, but I've never, I never really committed to it before because I was never sober enough. You know, I was, I was always hung on the weekends. Like now, I would never have done a half marathon. I wouldn't have had the time. to, like my long run training is always on a Sunday morning, and if you'd said to me two years ago, get up and run twenty kilometers on a Sunday morning, I'd have been like, yeah, no. Nah. But even my husband said we, we were chatting yesterday about and I said, Oh, I've got to think of three things that has changed. And um and the first thing he said was, Well, you'd have never got up for the park run. And that's a 5k. I mean that uh, that's an easy morning for us now. And it's routine for us now. To, and our closest parkrun is about um a twenty-five minute drive away. So we've got to be up and ready and out to the house by about ten past eight on a Saturday morning. Again, years ago, and I've all, always wanted to do park run, but I never, ever did, because more often than not, I'd be hungover on Saturday morning,
0: you know. When, know, it's mad, isn't it? So yeah. what was your drinking like then? Were you like a weekend drinker? Yes,
1: an absolute, like a, a grey area drinker, and that was a term I learned after I got sober. I never really thought it was an issue. I'd never planned to stop. I didn't think it was a problem. I didn't really, and until I've stepped away from it, I realised now how problematic my drinking was. And I wasn't physically dependent on it, but I, I had a chat. I was doing a course as part of my job with the local drug and alcohol support agency, Barod, which is ready in Welsh, ironically. Um, and they do lots of work in Wales. And I was doing a course with them. Can't remember what it was, but for work. And I was chatting to the gentleman who was running the course. And he said, well, you don't sound like you were physically dependent on alcohol. And I said, oh, not by any means. And he said, but you certainly sound like you were psychologically dependent on it. He said that and it was like the penny dropped. And I was like, do you know what? I think he's right. I, I just ge- I genuinely believed that everything was better if alcohol was involved. I mm. genuinely, genuinely believed that. But I didn't realise that until I've come away from it. And I don't think you're alone in that. Well, it's a societal thing, isn't it? Everybody's, it's promoted. Christmas is better with alcohol. Weddings are better with alcohol. Nights out are better with alcohol. Friendships, relationships, they're all better with alcohol. When in fact, no, they're not. Like it just does so much damage. And I think until you're on the other side of the fence, you just don't see it. So what was it that led you to think, I'm going to stop drinking? Was it just that you went for a break? Um, No, I, I had never planned it. I'd never planned to stop. It was one night out. One night out with my husband, and I always let it go more, shall I say, when I was out with him, because I always trusted that he would get me home. And the fact that I had to plan that, Mm. like now, I'm like, can I I swear? I mean, that's, that's really fucked up that, oh, I can drink even more tonight because I'm with Matthew, and I know that he'll get me home. But then I know when we went out together, we would always drink more than we both normally would, um, but me more so. And it was a super Saturday, we call it in Wales, where every, there was the last Six Nations Day and loads of games on. So we were drinking probably from about two o'clock in the afternoon. And there was no no breaks on, no worry about, am I going to get home tonight? You know, am I going to be okay? There was none of that. Because that's I was, I've been thinking to myself about, I'm going to digress a little bit. Going out, I would always have a little bit of kind of excited anxiety Like, oh, what's tonight going to be like? I'm so looking forward to having a drink. I can't wait wait to get drunk with the girls. And then in the back of my head, it was always like, oh, are you going to be a dickhead though? Is something going to happen where you cross that line? It was always that, but it was almost like a challenge to myself. (laughs) Can I go out and get absolutely blotto but not be a dick? And and I, I didn't like getting blackout drunk. I didn't like it. Like, obviously, you didn't like it the next day if you'd forgotten where you'd gone or what you'd said or what you'd done. I didn't like getting like that. But I always remember feeling like if I got home and I was remotely sober, being like, oh, that was a shit night. Yeah, it was such a, like, thin line between merrily drunk was, to me, merrily drunk was shit. Anyway, I digress. Where did I get to? So, yeah, we'd been out. We're out in Swansea. We'd booked a hotel room. uh, And we always, it was a, a yearly thing we did with kind of Matthew's school friends and couples. And by half past seven, I was gone. And the only reason I know I was gone because there were photos on my phone that I can't even remember taking. Apparently I was falling over. I bumped my head and can't remember any of it. Can't remember where I was. And just behaving in a way that just, if I had looked at me behaving the way I behaved, I'd have been like, what are you doing? Absolutely disgusting. Like, And and I think for me, like the next morning, obviously you've got the physical impact of <laughs> withdrawing from that amount of booze the shame the regret and I think I just remember it. it was a beautiful Sunday we had to drive home pick Toby up from I think he was with my mom or with Matthew's mom. I can't remember and, and it was a beautiful February Sunday blue sky you know those crisp spring kind of coming mornings yeah and I lay on the couch all day and something was like he deserves better than this toby deserves better than this like this is awful and he would have been fi- five i think he'd have been five then and i thought i can't it's not fair on him it's not fair on me it's not fair on Matthew. like he doesn't want a wife who goes out and gets shit faced and performs like some sort of idiot and i i just i think the shame that after that night was just crippling and it was just like that it was like a switch went and i think I don't know, I'd never felt like that before. I'd always had the shame and the anxiety, but something about that night was just, oh, my God. Like, the feeling now, I get anxiety about it now. Really? Like, yeah, the, the shame of my behaviour and the falling over, and, oh, just terrible. And and something clicked, and I think by, once I got over the physical <laughs> withdrawal, I kind of just immersed myself in information and I'd never done that before. I'd never wanted to. In fact, I remember saying to my brother, I'm done. Like I'm not drinking anymore. And he turned around and he said to me, oh, it's not the first time I've heard that. And I was like, no, you're wrong, because it didn't matter how hangover I was before. I couldn't wait till the next sesh. I couldn't wait till the next session. And, and often if my hangover cleared up quick enough, I'd be happy to go on another sesh like that day. You know, by yeah. four o'clock, if I'd come round a bit, I'd be. So I had never been one of those people who was so hangover. I'd said, oh, I'm never drinking again. I would never, ever say that because I loved it. I loved the feeling of it. I loved the build up to it. But I don't know what clicked. I don't know. I really, can't. it was just that that shame in the morning. And I thought that this isn't, something's not right here. And yeah, over the next few weeks, I just kind of found all these accounts on Instagram. I didn't even know were there and... I watched loads of stuff on YouTube and started reading books. And I was like, what the fuck have I been doing for the last 25 years of my life? What have I been doing? And like something clicked to me and never looked back. Best thing I've ever done.
0: And you were recommending books as well. You were chatting on Instagram and you recommended some books that I then went on and read. And one of them was where you had to write a breakup letter with alcohol. Do you
1: remember that one? Love Yourself Sober. That was it. Kate Bailey and Mandy Manners. That's it, Kate Bailey and Mandy Manners. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember writing that letter. I was sat in bed when I did that exercise. And it just, you know, you'd start writing and it came out. And then I read it back to my husband and I broke down. Like I broke down crying and I was like, what the hell is this? And I'm quite quite emotional. But when I was writing it, I didn't feel emotional. But then when I read it back and I was like, I just don't think you can appreciate the impact it has on you, drinking, until you actually step away from it.
0: Yeah. I remember one of the lines in, in yours, because it just, yeah. I still hear it now yeah. in your beautiful accent, but yeah. alcohol, you're a bit of a shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're led to believe that it does all these wonderful things for you, but it's so damaging. It's so damaging. And I mean, I'm, I consider, I do consider myself, and I do feel like a bit of a fraud sometimes. And I don't know if that's the impact of me, you know, I, I kind of lost my other account due to somebody being quite not very nice. Because I, you know, do I deserve to, get any recognition for being sober because I wasn't physically dependent I think Um, you
0: absolutely do and I'm going to jump in there you know even if you're a weekend drinker that's what I aspired to be alcohol is a slippery slope and if you're identifying that you're emotionally psychologically dependent on it I mean I could look at some drinkers and say well you weren't as bad as that so should I be you know should I be saying that I, I'm really chuffed that I've stopped and I think I deserve a bloody medal for walking away from an alcohol industry that is everywhere. I think we're similar ages, I think a bit younger than me, actively targeted us with LADEC culture, with various things. And it's actively targeting mums. Yeah, yeah. Alcohol executives are sat around planning pink Prosecco. And let's make gin really attractive. You know, if you go back in the centuries, wasn't it? Wasn't there that um, drawing? I don't mother's know. Ruin. Mother's, mother's ruin.
1: Mother's ruin. Yeah.
0: And my mum always used to say to me, "Don't touch spirits," and I never liked them. I tried them a few times because gin was getting popular. Yeah. But she would say to me, "It's mother's ruin."
1: Yeah.
0: And I've since seen that image, that picture, and where that yeah. originated. Well, how has it gone from mother's ruin
1: to? Oh, you've got to have a gin palace. Yeah, yeah. At your wedding or whatever it is. It it blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind how this substance, sometimes these words come out of my mouth, like because two years ago, I would never have said these things. But how is this substance even still legal? Because mm. it is so dangerous. And, and I think, I mean, a massive turning point. I like facts and I like figures and I like science. And I read um, Alcohol Explained by William Porter. And I can remember lying in bed and like nudging my husband. And I mean, he's not sober, he, he, he's not a big drinker. He's not a big drinker at all. And I mean, he can probably go out, he'd probably go out and get drunk twice a year, if that. And I, I recognize now that I was the pusher in the relationship. I'd say to him, you know, I'd be like, if we'd had a stressful week in work and I'd say, oh, should we have a few drinks tonight? And he'd be like, oh, you, she goes. <laughs> <laughs> and by 10 o'clock, the, Toby would be in bed, Ten o'clock, the shots be out. In our house. That'd be me. What are you doing? Like, anyway, I digress again. But I, I was nudging him in bed going, look at this, mark Look at this. this. is why this happens. This is why, th-, you know. Yeah, just mind blown. Mind blown. Like, wh- how how are we allowed to do this? How is it promoted that we do these things for ourselves? And I, you again
0: introduced me to William Porter's book, yeah. I think. Yeah. Either that or you were reading it. And But we had a conversation about it, didn't yeah. we, on Messenger? Yeah. Yeah. I read the second book. He's written two. I read the second yes, book I before the read first.
1: The one. Right. Okay.
0: Oh, they're brilliant. They're absolutely yeah, brilliant. I, I also to. read Professor David Nutt as well. He.
1: Yes,
0: these are books I need to get my hands on. It, anything to strengthen that understanding, because I know I talk about my messy start to my sobriety. Because I'm now in that anniversary of Louisa wants to be sober. Louisa's reading all the books and right. she's following all the accounts and she's doing day one again and again and again. I was. Very much doing this out of my own gut instinct, like you had that day, that gut instinct, you go, God, I've got to do something. I feel I think as a mother, you go, right. And that's no judgment to mothers who drink either. But mm-hmm. I just think you go, Oh my goodness. Definitely. But you know, so I think there's personal responsibility, but there's also understanding we're in a bigger environment of and a culture of promoting alcohol. So well done to us. Long rambling way of saying, mm. absolutely, yes, you should be so proud.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm learning to kind of, and I think something that I've learned to have to do is stand up for myself, remove kind of toxic people. As something I've learned to do over the last two years, which probably I don't know if I'd have done it if I was still drinking, because I think I was afraid that if I moved away from people who were not very nice to me, I wouldn't have anyone. But then I look back, they were probably people I drank with quite a lot. They were reliable, reliable drinkers. So, I know I'll pop round someone's house or give them a ring. Do you want to f- fancy a pint if I was feeling like I needed it? And it was a good excuse then, you know, it wasn't me looking for it on my own sort of thing. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what, how that, how alcohol has impacted that, but I have walked away from some relationships, friendships now that weren't serving me anymore. And it sounds really selfish, but they were making me unwell. So And I think
0: life delivers that to you, particularly yeah. when you're, because do you mind me asking how old you are? No, 42. I think you get to your 40s, don't you? And there is something in you because I've done that as well. And it's not just been about drinking, but it is, again, you reassess and you go, look, that's drama. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in drama. So I'm going to remove myself from that. I'm not even going to entertain involving myself in mm-hmm. any of this, particularly when you take alcohol out of the equation. Yeah. We had drinking buddies.
1: Yeah, I think I think sobriety just gives you clarity and kind of step back and go. Yeah, I don't need that. Yeah, if I don't need booze, I definitely don't need shit like that in my life. So I think it just gives you a strength you perhaps didn't. I certainly it's given me a lot of sort of strength I didn't realize I had. Um, yeah. To you know to not need that, like you say, drama and toxic negative things. I I'm working so hard on more positive things, and then you if you go. One or two people would kind of they can't clap for you. people yeah. will clap for you, and I'm like, "Well, I don't want recognition, but if everything that comes out of your mouth is negative towards me, then I don't see the need for us to exchange any niceties,
0: <laughs> and they shouldn't do not let them do not let them undermine what you've done because you know I know you lost that account, and it was gutting
1: yeah. i'm I'm a little bit being a Welsh girl loud. My husband says I'm very loud and I like, I'll talk, i talk a glass eye to sleep, but actually confidence wise, not always confident and don't like confrontation. Um, and I think that particular, that, that particular incident where I had posted about my one year sobriety and someone had come at me and said, well, you know, you were physically dependent, so you can't really get to say that, can you?
0: I am so pleased you're back and posting because... Yeah. In fact, you did a video the other day and I haven't managed to watch it yet because I've yeah. had so much on. And uh, yeah. I'm like, it's on my it's on my to do list to go and watch is, your is video. It's a funny
1: one now because I, I don't really post a lot of sober stuff anymore because it's kind of it's normal. I, I almost feel like I haven't really got anything that interesting to say, like it's all been said before. But obviously, I mean, yeah, it's just kind of normal now.
0: And yes, that's what I remember you saying in some of your posts when you were talking and you were getting ready, I think, to do go to work or something. And it was that this is just normal now. This yeah. is just normal. And I thought, actually, do you know what? Hearing that when yeah. you're in the throes of the early days, hearing yeah. that it gets normal. Wow. That was I couldn't imagine that. And I remember watching you reading that letter, that breakup letter to alcohol. That resonated with me. You talked about books you were reading. I think that's the, the message I would want everybody to hear. It doesn't matter how heavy a drinker you were, how often you drank, or what, how far you are into your sobriety journey. The person on day one has as much right to share and even give advice and say, "Look, this is what I've done today that's helped me," or as the person on day one thousand and mm-hmm it's sobriety should be a level playing field we're all fighting the same thing we're all doing the same thing so i think it's just wonderful that you've you've got your account back and that you're back posting because i for one missed you oh okay. really really did <laughs>
1: that's lovely
0: so let's move on then to the section of the episode where we talk about your three things. Now, I know yeah. you've touched on some of them there, yes. but let's expand on them. So okay. what's the first thing that you have noticed that has changed for you for the I better?
1: 100% is my mental health, without a shadow of a doubt. I struggled an awful lot with anxiety and and low moods. And there were days where I didn't know how to manage. And I think I've, it's something I've struggled with for the majority of my adult life. I didn't want to access medication for it. It just wasn't something I felt was right for me. But didn't see alcohol as anything to do with it at all. I think it that it impacted me as a parent. There were days where I was short-tempered with Toby and couldn't manage and would almost just want to go to bed and go to sleep and not deal with life. And I can remember the feeling of having to parent um if I was on my own year if Matthew was in work or Matthew was out doing something and being just feeling exhausted and thinking how am I going to get through today like I'm so tired I just want to I just want to go to bed and sleep and not deal with life and there was quite a lot of times like that and I think the wrong answer I chose was I often turned to alcohol to kind of drown out those feelings which just exacerbated the issue then and and dragged it even, dragged it out even longer than, you know, than it needed to be. So I think, yeah, when I stopped drinking, probably after a, a few weeks, I was like, I'm not waking up feeling like tight chest. I mean, I would, I would get physical symptoms of anxiety. So a tight chest, I'd have pain in my shoulders and my back. And all of that kind of really quickly started to ease. I mean, it's, it's, it's not gone. I still have days where it's, it's tough, but I don't, I used to catastrophize everything. Like everything would just be the worst thing in the world and life is choosing me. And why is everything so shit all the time for me? And quite selfish. It was always me who had a crap life, you know? And that was kind of the mindset that I was in then. But um moving away from the booze. I mean, it's it, it's a rare occasion. We'll have a really tough day now. And it's usually if something not nice has happened, Otherwise, like I said before, the clarity and the crap things still happen. But I don't know, I've just got this kind of ability to deal with it now and go, okay, that's rubbish, but it's happened and we'll manage it. Whereas before it would be all day just dwelling on the negative, dwelling on the negative all the time. It used to be awful. I kind of go, okay, that's a bit crapper. We'll manage it. We'll just get on with it.
0: Yeah, you feel like resilience, don't you? It's like you almost feel like you can bounce back. and
1: yeah used to be illogical i used to be illogical that everything was so negative all the time and it was always me it happened to and uh, yeah i used to just make things worse and matthews dread leaving me on my own because i'd you know by the time he got home from something he could be out riding on a bike and I'd, I'd have told myself that he was off with another woman or spending all her money like i'd make up stories in my head that things were going to go wrong ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous
0: and that's based on, so let's clarify, you're drinking at the weekend. So yeah. that's not because you're waking up with a hangover and then yeah. feeling like that. You're waking up days after drinking. And as we know from reading William's books and things yeah. like that, alcohol stays in your system. It doesn't stay in your system so much as it affects your system. Yeah. And it takes days for your system to get back into balance. And then if you're a weekend drinker, bang, you're back drinking again. And just as your body's got that homeostasis.
1: Yeah, yeah you decide to mess it up again
0: (laughs) and you never see the benefit i i've said to you know i've got friends that are weekend drinkers and i have joked with them you know that they've sort of achieved this thing that i wanted to achieve just drinking at weekends as a nearly nightly drinker um i couldn't imagine doing that that was my holy grail i've got journals going back 10 years like just drink friday saturday sunday (laughs) Don't drink Monday to Thursday and you'll be fine. And then this is how many units you're allowed and drink out of a small glass. And I had all these rules.
1: Yeah.
0: That all went out of the window because if there's one thing that alcohol does from the first glass, it removes your inhibitions and your ability to give a shit.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what I craved was not to worry. Mm. I just didn't want to worry all the time. I was a big worrier. I th- I can remember I can remember once he rides, he does mountain biking, always comes back really muddy. And I almost, I was kind of laughing, but not kind of laughing, as I told him. And I was like, I had it in my head that you just go up the lane and rub mud all over yourself. <laughs> and that That's how ridiculous the thoughts in my head were. And um, that's
0: exacerbated by yeah. weekend drinking. It just blows my mind how much alcohol, like you say, it, it is so... Damaging. How much is it, it's affecting us without us even realizing it?
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. And I would never have linked any of those negative feelings to being exacerbated by alcohol because I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I knew it gave you a hangover. I didn't know anything about how it impacted your actual nervous system. Anyway, mm. but you know, with the mental and and I think probably the scariest part for me was I I very much turned to alcohol after any kind of trauma, or upset, or and and, and I think. I, I used it to kind of dumb down a lot of those feelings and, and worries. And and I think the scariest part for me was, I think I've spoken a bit on my account before, but I lost my father in the first wave of COVID. I'm um, oh, so sorry. And thank you. Um, It was so traumatic how it played out. It was horrific. And I mean, it was like something out of a film. And uh, the whole pandemic, the whole COVID thing. And, you know, we had, there was 10 of us in his funeral. I didn't, he, he got he got admitted to hospital with something else, and he caught COVID on a clean ward, and within a week he had died. And and I think I saw him for about an hour and a half in that week, but he I he was kind of gone already really. And I was his carer. We were building a flat for him at the back of our house for him to come and live with us, and then he was gone, and it was horrific. And after that, after the funeral, and obviously after any funeral, everybody goes back to normal, but we didn't. We were all in lockdown so i mean that i wasn't a weekend drinker then it was nearly a daily thing and and i hit it hard like but it was okay because everybody was doing it because everybody was on zoom quizzes and you know so it was okay i i wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary then because everyone was doing it but that mm. frightened me that that really frightened me how easily i slipped into that and um I think I look back now and I think a friend of mine had just launched her online personal fitness as as the pandemic hit she would she'd launched an online fitness training program and and so I I joined that and and that's what kind of took me from I think I was on a very slippery slope to a really dark place because alcohol was just what I can't even believe that I used to drink as much as I did during those few weeks after my father's death it was and and my my father was um alcohol dependent and I'd nagged him for years. And I again, until I got sober, but I didn't realise just how bad his situation was. And I tell a lie. I think it was when he got admitted to hospital. And it was only because kind of he'd started losing all his faculties a little bit. And I look back now and I think because he had Parkinson's disease and he had to kind of stop going out. The pubs were still open when Covid had started creeping in. The pups were all still open, but it was advised that anybody with additional health conditions needed to stay in. And I was begging him, Dad, you're going to have to stay in. we got to try and keep you safe. And then he started kind of hallucinating. He was talking to people who weren't there. He was wandering out of his flat and getting locked out. I thought, oh, perhaps he's fallen and bumped his head. Or perhaps he's had a stroke and I don't know. But looking back now, I think he might have started to go into alcohol withdrawal. Oh, goodness. I didn't, I didn't know that at the time, but... He got admitted to hospital with dehydration and something else. I can't remember what. Nothing too serious. But we had talked about how many units of alcohol he was having a day. And and I, it was only then when he was getting admitted to hospital that we worked out he was having between 14 and 20 units a day. And 14 is the recommended limit for a week. Yeah. And only then I was like, shit, we'd in trouble by you. He got admitted into hospital and for days I couldn't get hold of him. He wasn't answering his phone. And then the nurse came on the ward phone and said, oh, he's, he's being given, I can't remember the drug, but it's whatever drug they give for alcohol withdrawal. And I said, well, what's that for? And she said, oh, well, he's going through medical withdrawal at the moment. And I, what does that mean? And she said, oh, for the alcohol. And, and I felt like I'd been punched in the gut. Like I had no idea. And nobody you oh, speak to would ever think my father was alcoholic. I don't like using that term because I don't think I don't see him as that alcohol dependent, physically dependent. He was a beautiful person and but he was retired. He went to the pub at sort of midday he had two pints. He went home and casually sipped whiskey, you know, so you never saw him with, you know, the typical man with a paper bag swigging on the road, you know, in soiled clothes. It, that's what everybody expects when somebody's alcohol dependent. And he was so far from that. That was, and I think that frightened, after I learnt about him going through the alcohol withdrawal, I was kind of kicking myself. And I nagged him all the time to please stop drinking, you know, please cut back, dad, please. And he's like, oh, you know, don't make anything of it. It's no big deal. But, you know, kick myself now and Matthew always says you couldn't have done anything about it he would have chosen to do it but you still kind of felt responsible that if I'd shook him you know come on dad this this is damaging you I wish I knew that I wish I knew then what I know now and again I don't think I'd have changed and you can't you you can't
0: blame yourself you really you really can't Take that responsibility on yourself. You know, as a drinker, if somebody had told you not to drink, yeah. even the way that you drank, you'd have gone, yeah. oh, get lost.
1: <laughs> I'd have probably said something worse. I was going
0: to say, you probably say something <laughs> a bit worse than that.
1: But, yeah.
0: <laughs> so he yeah. wouldn't have listened to you. And I'm so, so sorry. I mean, it's just awful hearing what happened. Yeah, wherever. that was
1: so traumatic. And then that was a reason to drown out that feeling and try to kind of just you know homeschooled Toby and I, I was on the sick for work then because dad had died so I didn't even need to have to focus for work and that's when that it was all right to drink every day then and that kind of frightened me a little bit so then when I joined up for the fitness training I um I cut back to just I was counting my calories and trying to lose weight and and that that saved me but then I'd lost weight I toned up I was feeling really good so then the wine starts creeping back in then I don't need to cut my calories so much. So I was kidding in the wine in the house, you know, two bottles of wine at home on a Friday night was nothing.
0: Jodie said something similar in her interview where her motivator for quitting alcohol was 100% weight. Yeah. And since then, obviously, it's like your eyes are opened. So your mental health, that I'm so pleased that has changed yeah. and you haven't altered anything medication wise. You say it's literally just been the alcohol that yeah. you, where's your catastrophic thinking now? Are you able to catch yourself doing Oh it?
1: gosh, Yeah.
0: You go, yeah. oh, I'm doing that again and stop yeah. yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Like, I, like, Linz, don't so ridiculous. And I could just talk myself out of it. And I think it's just my choices that I make. And I use um, a gratitude journal. Like Again, if you'd said something like that to me two years ago, I'd be like, well, write shit down. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. But, you know, it's even just like changing your mindset, being able to be positive, whereas I wouldn't have been able to before I don't think I'd have been able to think of positive things or write things down I read about I'm not great at meditation I'm not great at manifesting but I read about all those things and I want to know about them again other people will say oh what a load of bullshit you know manifestation I'd love to think it works and I, I try my best I've got a I got a pin board here that I've wanted to do um uh what you might call it a dream board vision board yeah I've got it I bought in some holidays. I've got p- pictures I want to put on it, but I haven't done anything with it yet. But it's it's just even having those ideas that it's okay to want nice things to happen to you. And it's, I can't kind of, alcohol makes you like think you don't deserve those things. I think or, it batters
0: your self esteem, doesn't it? Yeah, it batters your
1: okay. self belief, you know, and it takes it all away. And I think now I've just got this uh, eagerness to want to be happy and to want good things, and it's okay to want nice things and it's so and and there are people who don't want to see that happen for you and that's fine but you know I've got I feel like I've got the strength to kind of do that well if you don't want nice things to happen to me cool jog on you know I don't need you to want them for me as long as I want them for me and my family to to have nice things and and it's kind of I've just yeah, my mindset's completely different now in that it's okay to want those nice things. I've had a lot of crap things happen to me, as I have other people, but I used to focus on them all the time and their victim status. And, you know, I, I kind of just wallowed in that sort of self pity mindset and I think, no, I'm not doing that anymore. more. I guess you know where. And
0: alcohol adds fuel to that fire, Absolutely. doesn't it? So I, I think that's amazing that your mental health has has shifted. And that catastrophic yeah. thinking, that's the first time somebody said to me, because I'm, as a fellow catastrophic thinker, yeah. uh, it's the first time somebody said to me that calmed down for them. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: I'm very grateful, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it, then if that's your first thing, your mental yeah. health, yeah. what's your second thing?
1: Um, I definitely think my physical health. And, and like I said, I, when I was drinking... I still have always, I've always valued fitness and working out. And and then I, I kind of say to my, um, I'm still with the same fitness trainer now. She's a good friend of mine. And I used to, I say to her now, like stopping drinking. It was like, I worked really hard all week, focused on good eating, um, focused on training. And then it was like, I, I said, it's like I would try to build a Taj Mahal during the week. And then I'd throw petrol over it and set it on fire on the weekend. That's what drinking is like. That's what drinking was like. So I'd work really, really hard all week. And then whatever I'd done, I'd set it on fire. It was ridiculous. What a ridiculous cycle to be in. Why did I think any of that would help? Like, yes, I did lose weight because I cut down on the alcohol and I was eating well and I was moving more. But I was still drinking alcohol. And then as soon as I lost the weight, I didn't necessarily put weight back on. But then I thought, oh, well, I don't need to watch the calories so much now so I can get back on the wine. But what what happened then was because I'd lost weight, the wine had a bigger impact, which was great because I got just just got drunk quicker, which was wonderful for me. Like a, a joke, I'd always say is there's no point in buying a bottle of wine unless it's twelve percent or more. That that was that was a running joke that I'd say. Like the quicker I got drunk, the cocktails what a waste of time they were. I wouldn't stand in 20 minutes for someone to make me a cocktail. I just wanted, I'd have a pint. I would rather have a pint because I could get that down my neck quicker. And that was my, that was my mindset for drinking. The quicker, the better. But physically, like, so like we've already discussed, always wanted to do park run, never ever got to do one when I was drinking because I just would never get up on a Saturday morning because usually I'd have had a drink on a Friday night. The stress of the week, oh, I need to have a glass of wine. And it, it would be a bottle. If there was a bottle opened in my house, it would be finished. One probably wouldn't be enough and I'd be off down the corner shop to get another one. That was the routine. Like we said, already mentioned, I would never have done a half marathon before. Never ever, because I wouldn't have trained for it. Because uh, you have to do kind of variety of runs through the weekend, the long run. I'd only ever fit it in on a weekend, a long training run. So you'd be out for two hours running. So my long runs are on a Sunday morning. I would never have got up and run on a Sunday morning. I would never committed to any kind of long-term training programme because I knew that, oh, I'll have to miss this week. I I'd, I'd look back in old diaries where I've got blank days because I knew the day before I was going out to get pissed. So that Sunday will be written off. Can't do anything that Sunday because I know I'm going to be hungover. Uh, the amount of days that are blank in old diaries in anticipation of a hangover. I mean, how, what a wasteful life that is. Mm. You know, and I couldn't think of anything worse now than planning to be unwell why would we do that to ourselves? Because I hated being ill. I hate being ill now. Forget a cold or, you know, pick up the kiddies diseases if you're sick or you've got a sickness bug. Oh, I couldn't think of anything worse. I hate being unproductive. I hate it. And I used to plan for those days to be physically incapable of doing anything. That just kills me off. Yeah, you're not, I'm not doing the binge eating so much anymore where you know those hangover days where you are just carbs, carbs. Oh, and I'd feel sick the next day after it. So I'd have a hangover day where I'd be doing crap for the day. And then, well, days afterwards, then that the stomach, your stomach would feel bloated, and but that was just what you did. And a massive thing for me is my hair. Oh, go on. Yeah, my hair. Um after so where were we? It must have been we were coming out of lockdown and I was seriously considering Getting hair extensions because my hair was so brittle and thin, and oh, it was awful. It, I, oh, I used to say, oh, it's like rat's tails, math. It was horrible. My hair was like it was really awful, and I stopped drinking, and I like it's grown itself. It's really thick, and my skin is so much better. It's just yeah, and and I think physically, I take care of myself now which I never did before. So I, I do a skin routine every night, every morning. I've got a skin routine, which I never did. What a waste of time. Why would I do that? You're lucky I would take my makeup off with a wet wipe before. I get my nails done, which was something I never did. I take care of my, I plan my in. You know, I plan train. I spend time doing things that will physically benefit me, which I never did before. I don't know. I don't know if I, I didn't value it. I didn't think I deserved it. I don't know why, but I just feel like I I want to take care of myself now. I want to physically take care of myself more.
0: It's almost like you've been, um, and I say the collective you, we have been damaging ourselves. We've been abusing ourselves almost. Yeah. And I'm the same. You mentioned the hair and it's just triggered a memory in me that in that summer, just before I stopped drinking, We were in the motorhome. We were at this festival where we were doing some heavy drinking. I mean, that's like lunchtime drinking. It was really hot weather. It was like that really big heat wave we had. And Mm. I woke up the one morning and in the motorhome, you're sleeping kind of awkward. And Mm. I had a clump of hair at the side of my head that had broken off right right at the front at the side. And I put it down to either rubbing my hair. I mean, how ridiculous. Rubbing my hair on the pillow too hard in my sleep or the fact that I'd had Charlotte that year before a lot of doctors would have said it was postpartum hair loss but there was a little bit of voice a little voice in me that was going will you buck your ideas up you know this is alcohol and then I'd get a bruise and I'd go to myself this is alcohol Louisa my rosacea Louisa you know what do you want to be have happened do you want to be hit round the face with something yeah. really serious in order to take this seriously your body cannot process this yeah and and yeah the hair thing my hair I've always had short hair
1: through mm. my life
0: and now for the first time I'm growing my hair every time mm. I go to the hairdressers she just charged me like 35 quid yeah. for, a for a trim I never knew that I know I'm not joking I could have done that myself <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast <laughs> Yes. But you know, I, I really am. I'm loving it. I'm loving having like thick hair, and my skin cleared up, and you know, you're glowing with health. I'm looking oh. at you now. You 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 are <laughs> absolutely glowing. You've been my beacon of light in the early days.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. But how <laughs>
0: sober? How long have you been sober now? Nearly 19 months. Wow.
1: It'll be two years February, two years the end of February.
0: That yeah. is amazing. That's an, an amazing amount of time, and it really is. You you've just shifted that mindset and mm.
1: I just How can't do... believe it's me. I can't believe this is my life. It's weird. It's like I'm watching someone else do it.
0: But it's so, it's almost like you're watching a really good film though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know those ones where you clap that someone's like successful and and is like, ha- that's, yeah.
0: <laughs> it just makes you feel good. I know. Yeah. I, I just, when you talk about journaling and things like that, and I, it's a bit different because it is my job now, but yeah. going back like decades ago, I would have been the same. I'd have been like journaling. Oh my God. You're going to start talking about bloody yoga and breathing yeah. next, you know. Oh, let's meditate. Hmm. Now, I mean, the irony of me now, I look at what I do for a living and what yeah. I, advice I give to people and the fact I'm sober and I go to the gym three times a week now yeah. and and I might be in there more if it wasn't for the kids. I know, yeah. I love it. I mean, it's that yeah. dopamine hit that just yeah. I'm a—I'm—I'm I'm addicted
1: to the good stuff. Yes, yeah. And why the hell not? I just I I kind of think oh I wish I'd done this 20 years ago and it wouldn't change I've had some cracking times drinking and memories made with friends and family and whatever but there are other things that you know you can think of all the good times you've had with alcohol but there's there's quite a few negative experiences as well I look back even to my teens drinking and I know there's times when I've been blackout drunk so I think it's just been something that I've always done
0: but I thought blackout meant Blacking out until I read about it. Same, same. And then I realized I was a blackout drinker at home. So if you ask me the end of a film, or Dale would say to me, What were we watching last night? Mm. And now I can't remember because of the menopause. But now, I mean, before it was, I can't remember because I, I was drinking wine and the shows I've watched, and I've heard somebody else say this to me as well, but they would actually pick. Rubbish shows to watch when you know you're going to have a a heavy session because you know you're not going to remember it. So if it was like something that required concentration or that you really wanted to focus on, you wouldn't bother.
1: No, no, yeah. On a heavy session, it would just be music on because I couldn't focus on the telly and didn't want to have to focus on that. So it would just be music on.
0: Well, I think you're amazing doing the running. Maybe that's something I can get into. Maybe I can just completely shock my system by starting to become a runner.
1: Is it? Well, funny enough. um, Matthew's uncle met when I posted about 600 days sober recently. And Matthew's uncle doesn't drink um, for, for medical reasons. And And he said, oh, I don't know how you do it with four boys in the house because we got got um, three sons between us. And I said, um, I just run 13 miles for fun instead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's kind of like, that's my release. That's the, the dopamine hit. And, you know, even on days when I don't want to go after coming back, you know, running in the rain or... I know, and it's really, it sounds really weird. I love getting up early in the morning and running in the dark. And it kind of, you feel a bit privileged to be able to do, I do feel privileged to be able to do that. And, you know, that I'm well enough and I'm fit enough. And, you know, that I I love early mornings. Yeah, I just love, I love the alarm going off and getting up at sort of half past five and working out and and feeling a bit accomplished before you even start the working day. And I, I, I was never an early riser. And I genuinely look to people who run, like there was something wrong with them. And the people who get up early in the morning to run and the people who get up on a Sunday to run, I genuinely would look at them and think, what the wrong with them? Can't yeah. I find something else to do. <laughs> you know, and I love it now. I am one of those weird people. Yeah, yeah, but I would look at, would you not look at sober people and just think, oh, how boring? Yes, yes, 100%. And I would get, I would get really like pissed off with people. You know, if I was out on a night out and people were just having a nice quiet drink, I'd get really like, oh, come on, man. You know, let's get trolleyed. Why are you like, oh, sipping away, you know? around, like, round. Get on it. Come on. Yeah, 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 And, you know, if you're sitting with anxiety, sitting with an empty glass, oh, that used, to, that used to be, like, painful, sitting there quiet when you finished your drink and then they still got half a pint left or something. Oh, that used to kill me.
0: Especially like if, if they're yakking as well. It's yeah. like, will you shut up and drink?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but then you pick
0: don't you you you, yeah. you tend to find friends that are you soon lose those friends yeah, yeah yeah you literally go right well I know she can match me or you know you're pouring a glass or something and you're topping up both glasses and yeah, you know yeah. that you won't be judged for it you yeah, know, yeah you do you do and it's it's weird because your friendship groups change don't they in sobriety yeah
1: yeah How have
0: you cope with that then because you're obviously a social drinker you yeah. liked going out
1: yeah
0: what was that like for you now
1: um I think over the last few years, like you say, whether it's my age or the actual and I don't know. But I, I recognise valuable friendships now. I recognise people who value me for me and are nice and kind. And I just try to surround myself with positive people now. I used to worry before about having friends and keeping friends and having people to go out with. And I said to Matthew the other day, I don't actually want to go anywhere. Very often, now and again, I crave a night out and a dance and... But I love being in the house. I love being at home or running or in the gym or, you know, I just, I love sitting down in front of a film. I always say to Toby, if we've been, if we've done something in the morning, we've got up and gone out. And I, I just say to him, what am I going to do when I get home, Toby? He went, oh, put your comfies on and put a film on. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I want to do is come home. You know, I just love coming home. I, do, I felt like if I wasn't out enjoying myself before, I felt resentful. If I weren't out drinking, oh, all these people are out out on the town for the night. I'm stuck in the house. And now I'm like, oh, I love being in my house. (laughs) I I think I thought I needed to have that going out, drinking social life, to be happy, to look look like a fun person, to look confident. I I think I thought I needed that before. I know I thought I needed that. But I don't anymore. I don't. I love what I've got. I love what I've got at home. I'm grateful for, you know, my house, our kids, and Matthew, and the crazy, busy life we got. I love it. Before, I think, like you said, you know, you'd kind of blame your kids if you couldn't have that drink or if, if, if you had to drive somewhere to do something. Mm. And yeah, and it's, I always remember thinking that on a, on a family holiday, it could be a weekend away, We you know, got North Wales or West Wales or whatever. And I think, right, if I do this today, we'll take him to this place and he'll have a lovely day out and then I can go home and cane the wine after it. And that's my, that was like, I'll take him out for a lovely, fun day out. I've done what i am tick I've ticked the man box for the day and now I can crack on with the wine and that would be the focus for the day. Like, and and I think, Oh my God, I don't, that's the last thing on my mind. now. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's bizarre. It's just your complete mindset changes.
0: And the other way around as well, when you accidentally ruin a, a day that you've Plans. planned. So we had yeah. like, I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I have to be careful. I don't repeat myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had, a a couple of days at Peppa Pig World and Mm. I ended up really hungover the second day and couldn't go on anything and there was I'm not particularly somebody who likes going on things anyway but I couldn't go on anything and I was stood there watching my daughter on some sort of carousel type thing thinking I would throw up yeah what sort of mum am I and we hadn't had a heavy night we hadn't but we hadn't had a shy night either. Yeah, and we yeah. were away for the kids. This was this was like a theme park. It wasn't their holiday. So I think as a mum, you've always got that mum guilt anyway. Yeah. You always feel completely crap about yourself. Yeah. And you pour alcohol into that. And it's just, oh, let's just feel bad about something else. Huh? Let's yeah. just feel bad because I'm now hungry. Yeah. And... and I
1: think it's dumbed down that mum guilt with a bit of wine. But then, mm. like you say, if you were impacting the next day, you know, and even as simple, like I said, the, the, tipping point for me was that day where we had didn't have plans to do anything the day after the, the night I stopped drinking we hadn't made plans but it was a beautiful crisp sort of winter spring morning and Toby we had to stay in the house all day doing mm. that probably said to him oh use your tablet with me practically ignoring him all day because I was so hungover that I I couldn't bring myself to do anything with him and and that's just like they deserved, you know, the kids deserve better than that.
0: And isn't it wonderful now, now though, you can say, what, what do you think I'm going to do now? You're going to get your comfies on and you're going to, it's not even going to be, he was so young, it's not even going to be in his memory yeah, that, yeah, uh, yeah. that day that really affected you. You'll always remember it. Yeah. So what is your third thing?
1: Um, again, I think I've mentioned it. I think it's just my confidence, um, believing in myself, that I don't need other people to make me feel good about myself and I I think I did before. I was always about pleasing everyone else and I put up with a lot of shit, put up with just people being mean and and then come home and overthink it and analyze it and and now I'm like, if you want to feel like I crack on, I'm off. I'm not putting up with that shit anymore. And I think it's just self it's just self-belief that um I can do whatever I choose to do I can't control how other people feel but I can choose how I respond to how they make me feel and I think that's a massive turning point for me because I worried about other people's feelings all of the time all of the time I mean it was you know all encompassing sometimes it would just take over worrying about other people's feelings perhaps I've become a bit more selfish now in that I think well do you know what if that's your feeling that's fine but i'm going to i'm looking after myself i am looking after, i am protecting my well-being now because i've worked really hard to get where i am and i deserve to be happy and i think that's a massive thing is recognising that you do deserve to feel well whether that's physically mentally however spiritually emotionally however i think it's just i recognise now that i am something valuable and it's taken a long i mean it's taken 42 years to get to that point <laughs> in myself I think and that's just the biggest biggest thing for me
0: do you know the drama the mean girls the drama yeah. oh, kind of stuff yeah. um mean girls or boys let's not be yeah, sexist yeah, yeah, yeah and I think for me over the years I've done exactly the same I, I'm so similar to you yeah, yeah in that I've always wanted to please everyone I've yeah. always wanted to make sure I don't upset anybody and do you know what you usually end up upsetting people if you find that yeah yeah the more you care about it. And and so I, I very much now, in sobriety, I'm a lot more resilient to take a step back. Yeah, definitely. And that, that, like you say, self-confidence, confidence that you know you're a good person. Yeah. One of the things that, that my mum always says to me is that people will see what they want to see. Yeah. She calls it tall poppy syndrome. I don't know if you've heard of that. I'll have to look it up, what it means. But I think it's where one poppy grows higher. The other poppies pull it down so it doesn't get the sunlight. I'm going to look that up properly. That idea that that when somebody's doing well, you want people around you that are cheering you on, that are going, well done. That is amazing. And not looking for all the things to be offended at, all the reasons to be, just be good, just be kind, just you know you're a lovely person and so it's it's nice to be able to then see that in ourselves isn't it yeah. rather than date yeah. it because of alcohol
1: yeah definitely and I think I did a lot of negative self-talk especially when I was drinking I, I I didn't value myself at all I was quite quite unkind to myself and then when you 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 naturally surround yourself with the people who kind of reiterate that to you yeah and you think, oh, yeah, I am. I am a shit person because I've done this or I've upset someone. And then you kind of like add fuel to the fire in that you'd, I, I think I would drink to have the confidence to stand up for myself. But then you just come come across as a drunk arsehole then. in because you'd never be confident enough to kind of stand up to those people sober. So then they just look at you going, oh, she's pissed. She's off on one again. Because you would never have done it sober, but now it's like you, 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 you don't, you're not an asshole sober, but you just go. Do you know what? I'm stepping back now. Yeah, not, and because it,
0: there's no alcohol, is there? So that you, yeah, you literally can go in a calm yeah, way. Yeah, I'm
1: just not here for any of this. It was all so dramatic. It would just all blow up, you know, and the arguments, and whereas you know, kind of like, uh, okay, you want to be there, I'm going to be moving away from that behavior.
0: There's so many people out there as well. I think we are worried about losing friends. And yeah. there are so many people out there that you haven't yet met.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And and in small, because you're in a small, quite a small village, town, yeah. village. Yeah. I'm in a similar, quite a small town, small area. And then you go sober, so it makes it even smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, well, who's gonna be my friend now? Yeah. Who can I mix with? But you realise I don't actually need as many friends as I thought I did. <laughs> and the true friends the ones that are because I've got friends that still drink and yeah. I've got an amazing amazing um friend who who still likes to drink and she'll but she'll just go I think you're amazing for doing this I think you're amazing and I think she's amazing and so it's that's who you want to surround yourself with people who
1: yeah.
0: buoy you up and yeah,
1: definitely.
0: we're all human we all make mistakes but um alcohol certainly magnifies those mistakes doesn't it
1: yes, yes it does <laughs>
0: So, what would you have said to yourself then at the start, if you had a time machine and you could travel back to Lindsay that morning? Yeah. what one thing would you have said to yourself just about how to approach this or in hindsight that you now know? Yeah.
1: No? I think in the early days, it would have been, "Stop thinking about forever because that terrified me. Like I knew I didn't want to drink then because it wasn't benefiting me, but i was I was terrified of. How the hell am I going to go through all of life never drinking again? And and I was truthful. I was absolutely petrified, and you know to the point where I was like, "Oh, oh my god, how am I going to get? How am I like panicking about living life without alcohol?" I probably was physically unwell after that night, four or five days. And, and I was like, I'm not doing it again. I can't do that again. So, but then as you kind of, the physical impact starts easing off a little bit. And then mentally I was feeling a little bit better. I was thinking perhaps I'll just have a break. From it. Perhaps a hundred days. That was my initial target was a hundred days. And even then that was a bit frightening. But then the more I started reading and learning and I was thinking, I'll be really stupid if I go back to it now, but how do I do life never drinking again? I was looking months and years down the line and and it was frightening me you know I'm, I'm gonna be on my own nobody's gonna want to be my friend and you know and no one's ever gonna ask me to go out again you know and it was that that was like the thinking probably still in that catastrophic thinking phase I'd but, say it sounds quite catastrophic <laughs> yeah but genuinely panicking about never having fun again mm. Um, and I would just say, just and it's an old um AA saying, I think, and I didn't really value it then, but I do truly believe that you've just gotta take it one day at a time. Yeah. You really do have to just and even for those who are super, super struggling, even just the next hour or where your next footstep takes you, you know, just it's gotta be broken down. You can't think about two weeks or two months or two years ahead. You've just gotta do it a little bit at a time because I I promise like now I don't worry about the future and not drinking. It's not something that is even in my mind now about, Oh my gosh, how am I going to get, I've done most things now sober and I can't honestly say there's anything that I've thought, Oh, that'd have been better if I was drunk. I don't think there's anything that I've thought that about going into no. some of those things was a bit, you know, nerve wracking the first time, but I don't think there's anything I've done that has been crap because I was sober. No, I don't
0: but, I, but I bet you could name quite a few things that have turned crap because you were drinking. Lots. Yeah.
1: Lots and lots and lots.
0: <laughs> oh, I have had just a delight talking to you today. Thank
1: you so much for having me. It's been an honour. Thank you very much.
0: If you'd like to find out more about my own path to sobriety and how I did it, you can now get my book. Becoming a Sober Rebel, available as an audiobook as well, on Amazon and on Audible. In it, I've combined my knowledge as a cognitive behavioural therapist, and also as someone, even despite doing that job, who struggled to get sobriety to stick in the first place. How I overcame my own mindset and own beliefs about alcohol to strengthen and motivate me. I needed to make the necessary mindset shifts that changed everything. And so in the book, I reflect on where my attitude to alcohol started, and I work out why I found it so hard to walk away from it in the first instance, why I was sabotaging my own success, and also why wasn't I using the tools from my professional life that I knew would have worked. I speak about tools to help you calm your mind naturally, how to deal with sober emotions, how to lift your mood if you're feeling low, I help you with any anxious feelings. We talk about the think, feel, act cycle and how we can use that in Habit Change. And so it's packed full of tools and techniques for dealing with everything from anxiety, panic attacks and low mood through to helping you with cravings. Thank you to everybody who's left comments, messages and reviews on the book and on this podcast. I can't quite believe how many people it's reaching. So thank you so much and thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time. You'll find the links to both my book, my Instagram profile, and also Lindsay's Instagram profile in the show notes.